I had a really awesome time with April today. I think she's done such a fantastic job of finding balance between her personal life and her business, as well as creating products that I think will really last the kind of test of time. And I think we learned specifically about how her family has influenced that mindset and that philosophy. Remember that if you enjoyed the show today, to be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. Influencers, inspiration, and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. Welcome to Earned, everybody. Um, Today, we have one of the most focused entrepreneurs I have ever met, April Gargiulo. Uh, Welcome to the show, April. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm just always so happy when my last name gets pronounced right. That was that was really well done. And I actually didn't even ask you in the, the prep before the call. I usually do that. So I'm glad I got it right. You nailed it. <laughs> um, well, for those that don't know April, her family fa- founded um, and she helped to run the renowned Gargiulo Vineyards in Napa Valley, where you guys produce I think, some of the most highly touted wines in the world. And then since then, you've started your own brand. Um, it looks like with a lot of similar philosophies to the way that you guys approach the winemaking business, um, Vintner's Daughter, um, which has become a favorite, both of you know consumers, influencers, celebrities. Um, and I think one of the most interesting parts about it is it's highly focused, right? So both you know the uh, vineyard as well as your brand have a very, very limited number of right? So for you guys, you've got the two cult products, mm-hmm. Active Essence Treatment and Active Botanical Serum, which you spent years developing both. And I am like, I'm really excited to dive in on that because I think that when you look at the way that most people build their brands, whether it's a winery or it's, you know, a, a skincare brand or otherwise, you know, it's always about new, 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 you know, how can we like grow as fast as we possibly can? And I think you've taken a different approach there, which I think there's a lot to learn from. So I'm excited. Thanks for that amazing introduction. I, I appreciate it. So let's, let's start with the entrepreneurship side of things, right? So for me, you know, I didn't grow up necessarily in a family of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. um, although my grandpa, I guess, kind of was in some ways. Um, you know, what is it that you think attracted your family to that lifestyle and then ultimately attracted you as well, right? Because I don't know that everybody in your family decided to kind of... Right. Pursue. No, that's a good question. I think, um, uh, well, I mean, I'll start with my grandfather who yep. um, <laughs> who chose agriculture as his entrepreneurial um, endeavor because he really loved to fish. And so he, this true story, he would grow tomatoes in Florida. He would then, and and that was a winter, a winter crop. He would grow them, he would sell them all. And then he would go to the Bahamas for six months and fish, spend all his money and then come back, start again. And this was, this was his, I mean, that he felt like he had, you know, that was, it was everything he ever wanted. And then he had, right. I mean, not bad. And then he had my, um, my dad and his family or his brothers and sister. And, you know, his wife was like, this doesn't really work anymore. Once the kids go to school, you know, like we've got to, got to have to get, get serious. And then, um, so, you know, as soon as my father, I think graduated from college, I mean, I think he pretty much said, okay, I'm gone. Like I've, I've done, I've done my time, you know, now the business is yours. And so my father, um, you know, has done kind of entrepreneurial endeavors since then, but that was, um, 
something that I don't think he had a big, a big choice in the matter, to be honest. <laughs> um, um, he has been like, they've been incredibly amazing about, um, uh, you know, he went on to, to, to create this, this winery and, um, I was never pressured into working at the winery. It was something that I was really like excited to do. So there was, you know, I think he learned, he learned from his parents, but, um, but yeah, I mean, to some degree, the entrepreneurial spirit was sort of, there wasn't a choice. And then to some degree it was, I think it was just everything, you know, all, you know. And then my mom on the, on the same side grew, I mean, she, she came from an entrepreneurial family. My, my grandfather was in real estate and started a real estate business and an insurance business. And then she went on to, to do um, similar, similar in the similar spaces. And so mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I didn't even have a choice to be honest. I think about it and it doesn't feel like I, not that I didn't have a choice, but it just felt like so something in like that I had to do. I mean, when I was creating Vintner's Daughter, I was parallel pathing three different businesses. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> what right. were the other businesses? Right. So the other, oh my gosh, it's so funny when I think about it, Connor. Okay. So one of them was, I still of course own all the URLs for these crazy things. Um, <laughs> one of them was a low calorie wine. It was called Skinny Vine. Um, oh, and this was yeah. obviously, you know, like a hundred years ago. And then one of them was, um, um, Mighty Butter and Mighty Pantry, which were okay. superfood infused. Everything was superfood infused, right? Like nut butters, coconut, all, all the things, right? And then, Vintner, you know, skincare, Vintner's Daughter. Um, and interestingly, you know, I probably knew the most about obviously wine and then food world to a certain degree. And, you know, had I had no experience in the skincare world other than having been somebody who had always been like insanely interested in skincare all my life. I always mm -hmm. joke then that, you know, when all my friends in their twenties were buying really expensive handbags, um, handbags, I was buying really expensive skincare. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, anyway, so it was, it was, it was, um, it was, I think it was in many ways, like almost like a vocation. Yeah. I think that's something where you're just so ingrained in it. It doesn't even seem like there's an alternative. And to be honest, I kind of had the reverse, like both my dad he started a company, was, he's in electromagnetic engineering, mm -hmm. right? So he built like uh, stealth wow. technology he's for smart. plants and stuff. And so, but he was at the same company from like the time I was conscious till retirement. Right. And then my mom uh, got her master's in psychology and did, uh, was a probation officer, right? And kind of rose up the ranks and did that, mm -hmm. but was at the same county doing the same, mm -hmm. you know, department for 30 years. And so from when I was conscious till when she retired. And so for me, being an entrepreneur was like a dirty word. It was like, oh, you don't have like a real job, right? Oh, like, fascinating, like, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, the complete opposite for me. Um, and so for me, it was kind of like, I had to actually overcome that. Like when we were first starting the company, I didn't like to tell people that like, I was starting a company because I'm like, oh, like you're, so you're unemployed is what you're telling me, right? Like, like even in the Bay Area where I feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm an entrepreneur in the Bay Area, but because I'm not in tech entrepreneur yeah. in the Bay Area, I feel like I'm, you know, in witness protection sometimes. <laughs> like, oh, you have a company, like what kind oh, of app? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's something you can actually hold in your hand and actually apply, you know? Yeah. Wait, so I'm curious about these kind of failed endeavors or, or not pursued endeavors yeah. also. So why, why was skinny wine not a thing? I'm actually kind of curious about that. I know, right? Um, okay, well, I will tell you how it, uh, so I was parallel pathing each of these and I can remember, I mean, I remember this conversation so distinctly. I was sitting in our kitchen with my husband 
and he he is actually also a serial entrepreneur by the way and so he's kind of looking at me saying saying you got to pick one like you can i mean i think today it's sort of an in thing for people to be doing i mean an in thing sounds ridiculous but it's a little more acceptable <laughs> that people do more than one thing at a time but at this point he's looking at me going april like you got to choose something you got to choose one yep. okay tell me about each one told him about mighty butter told him about skinny vine then i told him about vintner's daughter and i think it was just very clear by how i was talking about i mean i probably talked about skinny vine for two minutes mighty butter for five and then you know with kind of my eyes all like alive spoke about Vintner's daughter for 15 minutes or something. And so, I mean, it became very clear which one I should focus on just from, from that. And, um, yeah, it was the one to your point. It was the one that I kind of almost didn't have a choice in the, in the matter. Like it was the one that I just felt like I really needed to, to pursue. Yeah. I don't know how people do the multi-business thing. I mean, you're kind of doing it right. But like, I remember when we first started tribe, I was like really dead set on, creating a food delivery company, which ironically have, they've done very well over the years. Wait, so, really? Yeah. So well, I'll tell you the idea, right? So, um, so we called it Nom Nom Neighbor. And what it was, was uh, basically, right? So you have all these people that are sitting around that like make meals, right? They make these beautiful meals. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to make like two portions of the same thing than it is to make one portion of one thing, right? And so the idea well, was to allow- of food. Right? And so you allow- neighbors like cook for each other and right they could get ratings and reviews and do all this kind of stuff and listen i think this is genius right and then you have um you know because you have a lot of people that are like stay-at-home moms that are looking to earn income and and they could do this right it would have given i mean it would have given a rise to ghost kitchens way before yeah well and then on top of that too right assuming you're doing it you can pitch it as like you're building closer neighborhoods right people know each other better and like you actually can cut out all of the delivery, right? Because you literally yes. walk down the street and pick it up. Um, and so I think it's a real thing. I mean, there is one, one, one issue, right? Which is like, it's definitely illegal. So like you have to have, so that's the only issue. Um, so the- uh... Lighter, lighter. Wait, which part of it is illegal? Just because you're, so, you're cutting out restaurants or the, somebody's not no, getting- it's their the, it's kind of bullshit, right? But basically what it is, is if you cook hot food, you have to have like certain things, oh, right? So you have to be like a certain kind of kitchen to prevent right. like, right. you know. But I, I think you can figure that out. And at the time, you know, if you remember, this was a while ago, right? And this was kind of when like the cool thing was being like, you know, I'm Uber, like the laws don't matter. I'm just going to break the rules until right. somebody, or I'm Airbnb, the laws don't matter. I'm just right. going to break the rules until- well, That's what know. I was just thinking. How did those guys get around it? I mean, you know- it was like consumer demand, right? Consumers really wanted it. And like, you know, eventually yeah, laws change. Yeah. But like, anyway, so we like had the website built. We had a launch plan. We were going to go kind of start with a very small neighborhood in San Francisco because you wanted it to be concentrated. And then, uh, you know, and then I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do two businesses. Like, it just doesn't. I can't. I can't. So, and maybe that happens later, right? Once you become a little bit more mature as a business, right? And that requires less like of your individual effort, but. Um, well, I don't know. I, because I've wanted to create a gin business for, I don't know, probably as long as I've wanted to create Vintner's Daughter, maybe a couple of years later and haven't, yeah. haven't been able to figure out the time, the time to do that. No, it's, it's crazy. So I'm curious. So like, you know, one of the things that was interesting for me in, you know, when you meet your significant other, right, you get to observe how their family works. 
And I think her family is um, very well run. They do a really good and well run in the best kind of way, right? They like do a good job. The family, you know, they're very intentional. And so one of the things they talk about is they actually have like family values, right? So it's like family, faith, humor, and hard work, right? Those are the things. So what I'm curious about is if any of your kind of family values, considering the heritage of entrepreneurship, like kind of uh, what those were, and they don't have to have been stated, but like, are there particular philosophies oh, or for values? Sure. Yes, absolutely. You know? And yeah. I don't think it was something that anyone put words to, but it was um, something that was actioned yep. um, consistently throughout my life. And that is um, quality and craftsmanship. I mean, mm. 100%. I can remember being a little kid and all my other friends were eating Chef Boyardee and I wanted Chef Boyardee so badly. In my <laughs> You weren't getting any, uh, <laughs> what are they called? Lunchables, snackables, yeah. whatever those were. Oh. No lunchables. Absolutely not. No, my dad was curing his own, you know, was curing his own meats, was making his own, smoking his own salami, was making his own, his own pasta. And, um, and so it was very much this, you know, with both within my house, but then also within the larger community, like Napa Valley is this place filled with these incredible people who really have this like very deep, deep passion for um, quality and craftsmanship. You know, it's, it's what, it's what, really informed my ideas around luxury. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I had this realization that, again, I said that I was, I was the person buying expensive skincare, not expensive bags. Yeah. And when I had the realization that this expensive skincare I was buying was really anything but luxury was when I started thinking about Vintner's Daughter. Um, yeah. I, I recognized that these products, they were $300 products, insanely expensive. And the, there was no quality and craftsmanship that was going into them, right? It was all packaging. And, um, and for me, growing up in this place where what was in the bottle is what mattered most, right? And with winemaking, you have this kind of like further level of, um, of consideration that you're trying to create something that's going to get better as time yep. goes on, right? Yep. Well, you and, literally have people like rating and scoring you, right? Like, do you get 96 points? Do you get like... You know, there's nobody doing that really in these markets, right? It wasn't how consumers were making decisions. It wasn't based on quality. Oh, well, I don't, I would argue that the point system is not necessarily. <laughs> well, I didn't mean, that sounds like a sensitive subject in Napa Valley. I didn't mean to. Uh... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and here's the thing. I will just say this. I mean, maybe it is a sensitive thing. Maybe it's not. We don't participate in it. So I actually, okay. you know. I, I think for many people, they live by the sword and they die by the sword, right? So we yep. were very lucky that we don't participate in it. And we've always sort of stood outside of it, which is, you know, we're grateful for that. Um, but what that is, is that you have one person or two people or even three people who are dictating the taste and the flavor profiles for every single wine drinker. I mean, that's, that, that just isn't, yeah. I mean, like... That, that's way too much power for any one person to wield for, to create any kind of healthy ecosystem for, for any industry. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, so back to the family values, I would say, um, I would say, you know, quality and craftsmanship. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, totally. we're, we're infused into everything we did. Is there, I mean, something else that's interesting about that to me, right. Is there, so there's a quality and craftsmanship, which is a big part of it. It also seems like focus is like a really big part of it, right? So like, you know, being intensely focused, 
both from like a business perspective, but also from a life perspective. Mm. Um, you know, like your grandfather, you know, yeah, of course he loves fishing and he does that, but that's like a really important like value, right? Like that's a demonstration of values to the family. Like, Hey, yes, business is important. Making money is important, but like doing the things that you love. Quality and, of life. You know, yeah. Quality of life is a big deal. Yeah. Is that something you feel like has kind of continued on, you know, through the family as a, as an important component? I think it is. And I think the way that it kind of sees itself in Vintner's daughter is that like, I'm not building a scale and sale company, right? Yep. It's, yep. it's not what I want to build. Um, I want to build a company that has an extraordinarily positive impact on our customer skin and their lives and our yeah. world. Yeah. And, um, and, and we take that very seriously and that's what drives us. Yes. Do we have to be profitable? Yes. Do we have to like have, you know, revenue and growth and all the things? Yes, yes, yes. But I think, you know, in the same way that my grandfather wasn't like living to breathe oxygen, like he was breathing oxygen so that he could go, or he was, he was making money so that he could go fish. Like he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't living to make money. He was doing that to go that he, so he could go pursue his, you know, whatever his Valhalla was. And for yeah. us, I think that's, it's a similar thing. You know, I'm here because I want to make this incredible impact on people's skin. Um, and not again, like really just kind of scaling and selling and selling a company. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's, it's hard. I think when you're in that, I think there's two things, right? So one, it's hard because there's something that's very rewarding, um, about achievements, money, right? It's a recognition. It's a way to like validate like, oh, um, my hard work resulted in something, right? Um, as well as it's really hard from a confidence perspective, right? You have to be confident that, um, you know, that, uh, that it's going to be enough, right? Which I think is hard for some people um validly so and so uh it's just really cool it's really cool that you guys have been able to find that balance um and do it through this kind of craftsmanship and quality thing right like we're going to do a smaller number of things way better right and we know that that's going to be the the best way to do it right and it and i to, to your point when you see everything around you is being rewarded for far different on they're like, it's almost like everyone else is playing a different game, right? Yep. The, the rewards are and the metrics are just completely different than, than the game that you want to play. Um, like sometimes I just have to put blinders on because yep. it's um, it, it can, it can kind of erode that confidence um, in some ways. Um, and make it feel like, oh man, everybody else is doing that. Should I be doing that? That looks much like, that just looks like very clear cut. It looks very pretty, pretty easy. I just put out a new product every two weeks and yep. <laughs> you know, like, that doesn't feel like that would be that, I mean, work, but you know, you're following, a, you're following a playbook. I'm like creating this whole new playbook over here. Right. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, there's, there are days that are harder than others, Connor, for sure. <laughs> Um, I think you've kind of hit on this already, but you know, you said in another interview, literally what you're saying now, which is like, you have to not worry about what everyone else is doing, find your North star, kind of follow that relentlessly. Mm -hmm. Um, would you say kind of what we've talked about already is your North star? Or do you have a more defined version of that? Like what would be your North star if you were to kind of state it? Yeah. I mean, the North star is that, you know, through this incredible focus on quality and craftsmanship and impact, 
and that impact being this positive impact we want to make on our clients and our customers, our community skin, but also their world. Um, that, that is what, that is what we focus on. That is what we drive to every day. And what about for you personally? Well, I mean, listen, I have two girls, so I have two little girls. I really want to, I want to be a good role model for them. I want to have a, a really healthy family. Um, and, um, so I, you know, I have, I have guardrails around, around work and business to a certain degree. Um, I've, I've been in positions where I had no guardrails and in regards to my, and I didn't, and at the time I didn't have family. I wasn't married and have kids. And it was, it was, uh, you know, I was on plane, planes, trains, and automobile, automobiles, 24 seven, constantly on the go. So one of the things that when I started Vintner's Daughter, I had a very real, um, and I don't have investors, right? So let's yeah. put that out there. I don't have investors. So I, I don't have, um, I don't have people breathing down my throat about, about um, what I believe to be like unreasonable, unhealthy um, growth targets. Um, but again, I'm not trying to sell this company in three years. So yeah. for me, you know, my, and this is, you know, I don't know, this is probably this revolutionary thing to say, but <laughs> I, you know, I have, um, it, my, my growth targets are 25 to 30% a year. Like if I can yep. do that every year, I can create this extraordinarily healthy, durable company. I mean, people underestimate how quickly even something like 15% compounds over time. Like it's wild. Yes, the right? power of compounding. Yes. I mean, it we all, we all learned that in, in whatever, third or fourth grade, whenever <laughs> you learn that, but you know, it's real. About like, you know, I remember seeing a stat and I'm going to butcher this stat, but they like listed this company profile and they were like, okay, you know, this company has been growing somewhere between 25 and 60% a year, every year for like 15 years in a row. And it like lists all these different stats. Like, what is the company? And you're like, you know, people picked out names and it was Amazon. And people are like, Amazon? Like, what? Like, and it's like, you don't realize how fast, if you do that every single year, mm -hmm. how big that gets. Right. Um, and again, I don't think your goal is to get as big as possible, but yeah. I think that people underestimate that. Um, so, you know, and building, and I think, frankly, if you look at luxury brands, a lot of the luxury brands that have done really well will actually intentionally limit their growth, right? Yes. Like Chanel doesn't yes. want to grow faster than X percent, right? Yeah. They do not want to outpace uh, outpace the brand, right? So it's, um, I, it is revolutionary in some circles, but in other circles, I think it's, uh, I think it's, oh, it's old fashioned. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like a very, I say revolutionary only because today's world is so wild, right? But it's a very old world um, way to build a, to build a business. Yeah, I, we had a, had a good friend and his dad, when we were first starting Tribe and just getting going, he's like, grow slow. I was like, what? He's like, grow slow. It's like, I want you to do that for me. Right. I was like, okay. Like it's, and it's always stuck with me. It was like, so mm -hmm. like counterintuitive to what I, the other advice I'd been given. Um, but it seemed like very intentional. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. So you talked about your daughters and being kind of a role, a role model to your daughters. Uh, you've also been quoted as saying, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross was a kind of an icon of yours. Oh, I'm, I, die, I like, I die for her. I love her. <laughs> so what is it about her that makes her kind of an icon for you or a role model for you? Well, I mean, 
oh gosh, I mean, I like, I, love her. Like, <laughs> I, I have no words, right? Okay, so I just think she's really cool. I think she's got incredible style, incredible taste. I think she's obviously this extraordinarily like hardworking, accomplished woman. Um, she was also the first sort of celebrity to ever mention Vintner's daughter in a wow. in an interview or anything. And so, I mean, that at that point, I thought literally, I thought I had made it. I was like, "Are you kidding me, Tracy Ellis Ross? This is Vintner's daughter. Oh my god!" Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm just like a giant, ridiculous fangirl of Tracy Ellis Ross. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of kind of your, you know, uh, actually, no, I don't want to go that direction. I want to go this direction. So we're still talking about your background. And I think if you were to look at, you know, your about section on a website, or if you were to read, uh, you know, your, your resume, quote unquote, you know, like most resumes, it's going to look like a string of successes, right? Just kind of one thing after another. Um, what was the hardest kind of period in your life professionally uh, coming into today? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think... listen, I mean, where I'm at right now is challenging, right? We have a very successful business and we're, you know, coveted and beloved around the world and all the things, but I've never done this before. I've never been a CEO of this, of, of any company, much less, much less a company that's growing like we are. And again, a company that's kind of going against the grain in so many ways. Um, mm -hmm. So navigating that I think is, is, I mean, it's really, it's really challenging for me. It's super yep. challenging. What, what's the, what's the path to making it less challenging? Team, right? I think yeah. team having uh, this year, I'm, I, I don't have a board of directors yet. So I really want to get a really great board of directors, like sort of having like a personal board of directors also. I mean, you probably experienced this too, just having those, those crew of people that you can kind of call up and say, you know, you've been through this before, you've lived through this before, you've seen mm -hmm. this before, how, you know, what, what are, what are my options? What can I do here? What should I do here? What I, what am I like not thinking about that I should be thinking about? Um, just, I mean, ultimately it's just about your, t it, for me, I think putting together like a team in, in every aspect. Would you ever hire an outside CEO? Um, yeah. I mean, I would think about it for sure. Interesting. Why, why is that? Um, you know, I've created, I think I've created something with really, really strong DNA, like incredibly mm -hmm. strong DNA. And um, ultimately, I think um, hiring a CEO to come in um, would, would I would imagine being a logical step. Um, and then I could, you know, then I could go start a gin company. Um, <laughs> I like gin too. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, down I'm, I'm sort of joking, but, but really everything I do in terms of like strengthening our brand and strengthening just our like core mission and the DNA of the business is there so that somebody else could come in and, and understand it and, and, and run it and maintain, and all of that would, would not only maintain, but grow stronger. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we definitely, I personally run into similar kind of, times right oh, like, sure you have. yeah like when we were first kind of scaling up i had 60 or 70 percent of the company reporting into me and uh but also um you know i was on the road constantly right traveling speaking doing stuff like this and so you know uh it made it really hard to be supportive of the team um number one and then number two you know 
at that point, you know, when we started Tribe, I had, you know, two or three years worth of working experience and, um, and had never managed a single person, right? And so you're trying to figure out like how to run a company, how to be a man- good manager, how to do all of these things um, while simultaneously not even being in the office half the time, right? Or being even available half the time. And so, um, so we made some pretty big And that was pre-Zoom world. I mean, that was even when like you could occasionally show up in person in real life, right? Yeah, this was pre-pandemic, right? Right. So, yeah, so that was a big, uh, a big change that we made internally. We moved all the reporting under John and had me focus entirely externally and it was great, but it's, um, yeah, there, there are like real moments like that that are tough as you, as you build the business, realizing what you're really good at as well as what you actually enjoy doing. Yes, absolutely. Like, how can you, how can you um, benefit the company most? Yeah. So what's up next for Vintner's Daughter? Are you going to release a third product? Will it happen? Will it happen? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I hope so. I mean, I'm not against, you know, I'm not against new products. I, you know, for us, it has to live up the, the, but the standards that, that a product that wears a Vintner's Daughter label has to live up to is extraordinary, right? From a, from a, again, from a sourcing standpoint, from a, a formulation standpoint, and ultimately a performance standpoint and an impact standpoint. And yeah. so um, though that takes time and we, you know, yeah. we, we, we don't take, um, we don't take it lightly, but yeah, I mean, I hope, hopefully we'll have products. I would love to have, you know, see what we could do for body. I'd love to be able to treat the body in the same way that you do the face. I would love like yeah. a cleanser. I'd love an SPF. I mean, you know, there's things that um, we would love to, to, you know, understand how we'd be able to bring our level of um, like our standards to, to those, to those categories. For sure. I think you mentioned that it took you about two years to develop the most recent release. Oh no. Serum was two and a half years. Essence was four and a half years. Yeah. So what does that like process look like? What is a two year, four year process? Well, so for Essence, it was okay. So the way that we make product is unlike anybody else. So we're not using synthetics. We're not using powders. We're not using whatever it would be like in wine. Would you want to drink Would the finest wine in the world have cherry flavor number 10 in it and oak flavor number two? No. (laughs) Right. Okay. So the, some of the like most expensive skincare in the world, that's basically what they're using. They're using like synthetic versions, like cheap and expensive synthetic versions of these incredible actives that really do help the skin, right? And so for Vintner's Daughter, we want to go to the source. We want to create that connection to the skin in the most powerful way with the, through those nutrients. And so we begin with whole plants. Unlike anyone else, we begin with whole plants, some of the most nutrient-dense plants in the world. And we have this proprietary process that we call our phytoradiance infusion. And it's this very gentle, very temperature-controlled way that we capture all of those um, actives and nutrients and all of that, all those amazing parts of that plant. And in those like very kind of like symphonic ratios that come from nature, right? These perfect ratios that because plants and our bodies metabolize nutrients in almost the exact same way, we're able Mm -hmm. to create these formulas that the skin understands and recognizes and can like very effectively and efficiently put to work, right? And it's yeah. these nutrients in the most perfect ratios. And so we're establishing this like very deep connection um, to the skin through our formulation processes. Um, and so does that, did that answer the question? 
I think it does. I guess what I would say is, so that makes sense. So let's say that now you've kind of come up with what you want to focus on, right? So you've got the mm -hmm. cleanser, you've got some of the kind of core ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's your testing process? What's your feedback loop? How do you, mm -hmm. how do you know that it's, you know, what you want it to be? Yeah. So we go through like certain, it was, you know, listen, we've had two products, right? So the first yeah. product, the feedback loop was like me and like five or six friends, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> And, Which is honestly a good feedback loop at times. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, and and then for Essence, um, Active Treatment Essence, our second product, it was different, right? We had we had kind of like a couple different panels of, ind of independent people that we put together. And so, um, and that was, you know, obviously like, it felt like very official next to, next to what the first, the first process was, Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and, um, and so we would probably do similar to that um, moving forward. I mean, a lot of times, again, when you're using these kind of like lab purchase synthetics, they, they kind of come with, um, you can like buy clinicals along, along with the ingredients, right? And they don't have those for plants. You know, like plants don't have a PR team. Plants, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, it doesn't. It's not, we're not dealing with the same infrastructure, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's all the things that's kind of on us to have to do. And, you know, we're really lucky because like our entire growth, and I know this is a crazy thing, but, you know, all of our growth has is, is been word of mouth, right? Yep. And so yep. um, it is, we have these extraordinary testimonials. We get, you know, testimonials every day from all sorts of people, all ages, skin tones, skin tones, like, skin issues all over the world. And so ultimately that is, that to me is what's most meaningful. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean to go back to kind of a, an earlier topic, but it was a question I meant to ask and then forgot about. So you mentioned very specifically that you put kind of guardrails in place, mm -hmm. right? Um, in terms of prioritizing personal life and professional mm -hmm. life um, after having a string of, you know, no guardrails. So what is your, what are your kind of systems there? What are the guardrails that you, how do you kind of prioritize and manage your own life? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, simple things like we eat dinner together every night, right? Yeah. Like we, we are together every single morning. Um, weekends are family. I travel yeah. very little. Um, yeah. You know, I take very few business trips um, and, and, I mean, those are the big, those are the big ones. I mean, it's super simple, but it's just, you have wow. to kind of put them in place and you have to like live, you know, make it actually happen. Well, I think it's really easy to kind of, you know, say like, oh, it's just this Saturday or it's just right. this. And let's know, be real. Like, I don't have a big social life. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't have a big social life. I don't have, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, that's just not where I, that's not what my life is right now. It is like yeah. my family my business, and then, you know, a kind of a select group of, of friends. Yeah. One of the best um, articles I've read on that topic, it was from the dean of this university, and it's actually meant for women, wasn't meant for men. Or, I mean, I guess I, that's who it was addressed to, I should say. And um, what she was saying was that, you know, in life, there is a limited amount of time, right? So there's mm -hmm. only so many things that you can do. And that she felt like there was an un, um, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Unfair. An unrealistic pressure right. to kind of be all things, right? Right. At you the same to, time. 
right? That's, like, the, that's, be, that's the issue, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, she, I think she said, it's like, you know, if you want to be the partner at the law firm, you're not going to get every night and weekend to yourself, right? Yeah. If you want to, you're not going to go to every PTA meeting, like that's not going to happen. Um, and I can't remember if it was that she compared it this way or somebody else did, but kind of compared it, basically think of it as like a stove, right? You've got four different burners and you've got family, friends, health, and work, right? So those are like the big categories that people generally spend time in. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to be really good, at something, you can really only pick two at any yeah. one time, right? And like, you can kind of stretch it to three, but it's really kind of two. And so, you know, and so the important point is not for that to be like defeatist or, you know, not to feel good. It's just but to prioritize. It like, yeah, make yeah. choices, right? Like prioritize I am and ladder your choices back to those priorities. Yes, and yep. it's not easy, but. Yeah, but you have to be comfortable with that, right? Yes. Like I'm, I'm exactly the same. My time right now is family and business, mm -hmm. little bit of health. And then like, I just haven't been able to spend a lot of time with friends and like, that's okay, right? right. It's okay to do that. Right. Like you don't have to beat yourself up that you're not, you know, uh, out with your friends every night. Right. Um, so, uh, so I, yeah, I mean, that it's, 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 you know, it's a simple answer, but it's not always easy to achieve. Totally. Just from a, you know, a mental health perspective. Um, very cool. Okay. So let's talk about kind of books. So I think from what I can ask books. Yeah. Like oh. reading. Okay. I love books. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. Cool. So I think that, um, you know, from what I can tell you like them. And Wait, you how do you know them. this? Do I talk I, about books? I have my sources, April. Um, oh. so <laughs> I put a lot of time into these. So, okay. Um, okay. So, uh, so if you were to have kind of a, a Mount Rushmore of say either authors or books, right? So Ooh. pick four, or I think there's four in Mount Rushmore, right? Um, what would they be that you would recommend kind of, you know, others to read? Oh gosh. Okay. So again, I love reading. I love books. Okay. So I love Zadie Smith, David Foster Wallace. Um, you know, that's two out of four. Be careful. You'll need okay. four. Okay. <laughs> I would have to just put, pick um, like this, just this one book. Like, I don't know. I don't know that I've even read anything else, but from the author. Um, yep. um, the Understory. Um, okay. Gosh, that book really meant a lot to me. Um, I read what it. is it? Um, it's maybe I read it like three years ago, two years ago, three years. No, cause it wasn't during, it was pre COVID. So like three yeah. years ago, um, gosh, it's a really beautiful book. Um, it, it's, it's sort of on the surface about tree. I mean, it's about trees, which sounds really boring, but it's a really good book. Um, and can I come up with the fourth during the rest of this conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go like, yeah. Give it time. Um, Oh, Joan Didion. I love Joan Didion. Okay. Okay. But I could yeah. name 20 others. So I'm just going to say <laughs> because yeah. How many books are you burning through in a month? Like what's your uh, consumption rate? Well, I'm, I would not say that sleep is like something that comes easily to me. So, okay. All right. um, so I, I tend to read, read at night. Um, so I, I don't know, probably a, a book or two a week, wow. but, I'm, but also I'm fiction. Like I'm not reading nonfiction. No, I'm, I mean, I'm like, like, you know, you go through phases. Like I think I've gone through both fiction and nonfiction phases. Yeah. Um, 
God, I don't want to dive too much deeper on this, but what's your, I'm actually really curious about this, right? So I like, I kind of fell off with fiction and then, um, and then uh, I was like, okay, I need to get back into it. And so, and I, you're going to hate this because you're not a ratings person, but I was like, let's go to the ratings, right? And I like went to Goodreads. What ratings would you go to? Like where, what, like what? So it's uh, Goodreads, right? Oh, so Goodreads okay, is yeah. Good, right? And so um, I feel like there's like, it's a good community to get. I do too, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, so went through and just looked for the highest rated books, like in mm-hmm. different fiction categories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like there was the one that ended up getting turned into a movie, The Martian. It was unbelievably good, right? You know, oh, was space it? Space okay. and biology and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and it like totally changed my relationship with fiction. Because, oh, isn't that exciting? That's great. Yeah. yeah. So what's, uh, how do you decide what to read? Like, what's your process? Oh, that's a great question. Um... I read, okay, so authors, just authors who I love, right? I just yep. discovered there was a there was a book that I, I read recently called Hamnet. Um, okay. And the author, I didn't actually love that book that much, but I really loved the way she kind of wrote. And so I checked yeah. out another one because I don't love like historical fiction novels. I don't know why. It's not my thing. That's um, funny. I've actually kind of gotten into them. I'm I, like, yeah, I'm I a historical fiction them. Um, I don't even like historical fiction, like television stuff, right? <laughs> it's like not my thing. But yeah. anyway, I really loved, her name was, Mar- what is, I can't even, think, Maggie O'Farrell. And then I read a couple of other of her books. And so I kind of, it let, that one book led me to another, you know, other of her books, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I mean, I think I find authors who I love and then I'll read everything they've written and then kind of go to the next author and kind of like that probably yeah that's your process okay so i'm realizing that we are a marketing company so i should probably ask you at least one question about marketing so um and then we'll do one kind of fun end of show question so for you 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 said you've grown primarily via word of mouth Mm -hmm. but you know i've definitely seen a lot of press and a lot of you know yes uh, we've been very happy about that right so what would you say have been kind of your guiding philosophies around driving word right? Like how have you found, you know, what are, what are the methods you found that kind of help to accelerate that? Yeah. I mean, I think, okay. So for the first eight, let's say that there's been a cutoff over the last like year, I think things have changed dramatically. I think all those kind of earned opportunities are just almost non-existent these days. Um, but pre, pre that, I think it was, I would, um, I mean, we were really lucky with social, right? Everyone had a platform. And so everyone got to be able to share it with their, their, their community, which was really, I think, really fortunate for us. Um, and the product actually worked. People purchased it. They fell in love with it. They loved the results and they would go on to whatever social channel they would, they were, and they would share it with their friends. Right. I would get on the phone with anyone, right. Anyone who wanted to learn more about Vintner's daughter, I was happy to get on the phone with and chat, whether that was the editor of Vogue or somebody with 5,000 followers. And I did that. And, you know, I didn't get on planes, trains, and automobiles for eight years, but I was on the phone all the time, right? And um, and so that that was really um, important, I think, for us. Um, something I didn't know about the whole world of, of beauty before I got into it is that makeup artists are extraordinarily influential. Like, inc- I mean, they are extraordinarily influential. And so there were makeup artists who found us and would, I mean, that's how Tracy Ellis Ross found us. That's how Hailey Bieber founds us. That's how Gwyneth Paltrow through their, I think through their makeup artists. Cause I don't, you know, I don't have personal relationships with them. Um, 
And um, yeah, I mean, so it, it was very old fashioned in the way that it was built, like very, you know, word of mouth, um, grassroots growth. Today, I think we're looking at something very different. Today, we're actually mm. thinking about um, kind of more structured affiliate um, affiliate programs, um, um, doing some like remarketing, retargeting, which we've never done before, and um, kind of dipping our toe into that into that world. Yeah, that makes sense. Starting to test out some of these new avenues. Exactly. Um, Okay, cool. Well, let's go to one kind of fun end of show question. Well, wait, what just came up for you? I feel like you are holding back. I, I want to know whatever it is that you're thinking. Because <laughs> um, I don't know that I was thinking about anything else. I think, uh, let's think, what what was going through my mind in that moment? Like she should be doing well, this, they should I, be doing that. Like, I, I, I give me the secrets. No, I don't think I have any secrets. I think what was interesting, what was going through my mind was, you know, this... Um, kind of evolution in your, you know, in the maturity of the company, right? So if you were to think about kind of the, the, the topic, right? When we talked about you, you know, feeling like this might be one of the hardest times in your professional career, right? And then, so you got that plus the company starting to get to bigger scale. You're starting to get beyond just like, Hey, we're growing via word of mouth. Now we're going to start testing new marketing strategies, strategies, et cetera. Um, it feels like the business is starting to grow to a stage where maybe it's like, this isn't the stuff I'm most interested in anymore. Right. Like I'm not interested in like the operational pull and tug of like how an affiliate program works. And like, I don't want to figure out how to like eke out an extra 2% margin. Right. Like that's just not like, and that, cause that's not all, all, honestly what really gets me excited about business. And so I think I was kind of pausing and absorbing the answer and really thinking about it from that lens. Um, and I can be totally off, but no, that's no, just... I, I appreciate that. It's actually, I think I'm so in the middle of it. That's hard for me to even put words to it yet. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I, you're kind of on the other side of it, you know, so you could kind of look back and, 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 and you've processed it. I think I'm like, so still in the middle. I'm like, so in the weeds of all of it that it's hard for me to even like put words to it. So that's actually very helpful. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do a fun question just to end the show. Although we've done a lot of fun questions this time. It's been a, I, I, this is a, I like this one a lot. So, um, so I've also heard, so to your point about not, not sleeping very well, that you're a bit of a night owl. Yeah. Now, in addition to reading, you also do, do some, uh, some, some binging, right? Some Netflixing. Oh, so sure. What's, uh, what, what's your current show you're binging right now? Um, my <laughs> My husband and I are watching Formula One, that Formula ah, One. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a world that I knew nothing, like zero about, nothing. And of course, it's one of the most popular sports in the world. So it's just fascinating, right? And, um, and I mean, it has been, an, that shows an absolute phenomenon, both in terms of the total viewership and in terms of the, you know, the change that it's had. Um, for that sport specifically within the U.S. Oh, right? it has to because it's just. I mean, we have we have one Formula One just in Austin. I think. I think we only have one. Not that I'm an expert at this point, but you know, I'm on season two, so I feel like I know. I know something. Yeah, totally. Well, I really appreciate you taking out the time, and congratulations on everything that you've achieved. And I think the balance that you've been able to establish between business 
and your family is uh, something that I think um, people should look up to, right? I think it's something that a lot more people should, like, actually, that was one of the things. I think one of the things I found most interesting about my own reading journey is I've read a ton of books and I got really into business books for a minute. And so I was powering through all these business books. And um, one of the things that I observed, um, and it hit me in particular, um, is that if you look at almost all of the authors, right? So I've read the, you know, the, um, the Disney CEO biography, the Steve Jobs, right? All these ones. Yeah, Jim almost Collins, every single one of them is divorced. One, two, three, and four. Right? Almost every single one of them is divorced. And like, it's actually like really consistent across exactly. those. And the reason it's home for me is like my parents are separated mm-hmm. and my business partner's parents are separated. And when we started the company, we both said like, hey, business is important, but like family first, right? Like mm-hmm. we both, we don't want that to be us. And we've kind mm-hmm. of aligned on that. And so, you know, reading through all these people, it's like, oh, wow. Like, you Gosh, know, they really are, that. aren't they? What? They really are. They're none of, you're, you're right. Of I'm kind of going, jobs, I'm kind I mean, going through a Rolodex in my head right now too, but you're right. It's like 90%, right? Of these, like, you know, you look at, uh, Bezos, you look at, and I'm like, obviously in the tech world, but you look at Elon Musk, you look at, uh, even when you had Bill and Melinda Gates, who looked like kind of the perfect family couple done all of them. Right. And, um, and when I was reading very specifically the Disney CEOs, uh, I guess it was his autobiography, um, which is very well reviewed and has a lot of good lessons in it. You know, at one point, um, when he was rising up the ranks, he's like, yeah, you know, my family was in New York, but I had to move to LA and it just, you know, I didn't get to see him much for the next couple of years. And it's like, and it was like a sentence and it was like, whoa, like, you know, but again, to your point about focus, like he made a decision, right? That was a thing he was comfortable with. Well, but it's not, it's it's not the decision about either. focus and more about priority, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, he did, I mean, his his family was clear. I mean, he, his actions make it seem as though his family was not his priority. Um, right. Uh, and that's what, if we are, what are we, if we are not like a collective summary of our actions, right? Like, so, um, I think that, uh, anyway, so I just really admire that you've been able to do that. And I think that's, and I think it's really important, right? Well, I think people thank, you. thank you. Well, I mean, you know, we'll see. I think, I mean, family, it's all good, everything. I mean, from a business perspective, I always think like, who knows, it could all go away tomorrow. So. <laughs> well, I think you guys will be all right. Um, well, thank you again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know I had a really good time today and so glad we get to meet each other in LA, you know, in that random. I know that was fun. And, uh, and, and I never do stuff like that. So that was like a really, that was really fun. Yes, I, I, it was fun. It was. And it was kind of in a weird window where like COVID was like, oh, yeah. it's okay. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate it, April. Um, oh, it was, it was my time. pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hit subscribe now. Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at tribedynamics.com. tribedynamics.com.